This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a horror podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are taking a look at the Peter Jackson film from 1996, The Frighteners. Oh, Rob, this is so good. This is I such love a this good movie, one. I... This is such a good one. Oh, oh my yeah. God, I did not know that I'd love this movie so much. Like it, it, it's 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 hilariously like I didn't I like I, this completely took me by surprise. I thought that this movie at first glance was gonna be so dumb, and mm-hmm. oh my goodness, was I wrong, dude? I saw this in theaters, so I was like thirteen when this movie came out, um, and no one saw it, no one. Yeah, um, it made it made nothing. So I pulled up some of the estimates on this, and I I really enjoyed it when I saw it. I saw this, and I think I saw Fled at the same time. Like, you know, that one with uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne and... Uh, oh, my Stephen God. Baldwin. Yeah, that's a way, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. way back machine. Oh, way back, way back. But this, I remember seeing them together kind of as a double feature and being like, ah, Flood kind of sucked, but holy shit, the Frighteners. And that's all I could talk about for, like, a couple of weeks straight to all my friends. And they're like, what the hell is this? And the next thing you know, it's out of theaters. <laughs> it's, um, it's so... Yeah. Like, I'm we're going to have fun today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's let's delve into this a bit. Um, so this was, was Peter Jackson just on Heavenly Creatures in I think 1995, right? So that movie came out to critical acclaim. Um, it put him on the map big time. And then Robert Zemeckis kind of like came in as the producer for this. And Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh wrote this. Danny Elfman came in and composed the soundtrack. Like, it's th- there's so oh, many dude. other cooks in this kitchen because we had talked about uh, Peter Jackson movies before uh, on this podcast, and uh, we talk a lot about like the kind of juvenile sense of humor that he kind of br- that Jackson kind of brings into his movies, and the you know wacky camera angles and the very Sam Raimi esque sort of campiness that comes with it, but. Uh, I could easily see the Danny Elfman, Robert Zemeckis type of pull coming into this movie because it's very, it's very whimsical. It's very, uh, I I could, I could feel some sort of cracking of the whip with Peter Jackson's sentimentalities uh, a little bit here. Yeah. um, So before we get into it, let me do a little bit of the, the box office stuff to get that out of the way, just so people can understand, like, how good this movie is, despite the fact that no one saw it, right? Let's say this, though. It is ranked of the horror comedies. All horror comedies, 1980 to present. It is number 35 of 132. So it shows that horror comedies don't make a lot of money. Uh, especially when the domestic gross is $16.7 million. Okay, And that so makes th- it number 35 out of 132. So not only did this not make any, any money, but also horror comedy genre, not even really a sound investment. 
It's a t- dude. It's a tough investment, but you know what the top horror comedy is? Ghostbusters. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I believe that. Gremlins was on there. Um, Ghostbusters. I'm guessing Shaun of the 2. Dead is probably somewhere there. It's yeah, it's up there. And, but it's it's so weird to see that that it it drops significantly once you get done the first ten or fifteen. Like the box office receipts turn to nothing. But then foreign, it only did like twelve million worldwide. This movie made under thirty million. The budget was thirty million. So, All right. And it was so, out of theaters in three weeks. So, I mean, that's not good. But it's such a good movie. It's so fun. It's, again, I, I think this, this movie is nothing but charm. Uh, I, I it, it, Spearheaded by Peter Jackson's uh, ideas. Th- this is exactly uh, in the pocket Peter Jackson that I like. Uh, because we all, th- again, like we, we keep bringing up Lord of the Rings because that's what he's known for. But that's very much not... I don't feel like that's not his type of movie. That's not what he came up on. Uh, like he, I feel like he sacrificed a lot to get those three big, big, big movies made. Uh, but this, I feel like, is a fully funded, realized, and uh, fi- not filtered to the degree that it, uh, to comprehension <laughs> that Jackson is capable of. It is such a strange film to try and explain it to people. I um, like. I will say, like the first twenty minutes has me had me completely sold. I loved the oh, premise. Oh, totally the, sold right off the bat, and I, the, I love it. The idea that Michael J. Fox is a down and out architect, paranormal investigator, that is now a scam artist, paranormal investigator, mm-hmm. working with his three living ghosts. Well, two living see. ghosts, and it seems like I don't because it almost seems like uh, when you finally meet the judge, I don't. Does he actually live with them? Because you you just see him appear at certain moments. Well, he you know he, what I mean. He, he is in the house, like so. I'm yeah. guessing that they just hang out with him so that they have yeah, somebody so. living to talk to. Uh, oh, he but, does. But actually, like the yeah. fact that that it's a scam that like he just like hires these two ghosts to possess people's houses and to yeah. just scan money off of them is brilliant. I love it. It's such, I mean, it's a great concept. You know, he has a terrible reputation. So the premise is like, he's an architect, uh, or he was an architect, and he got into a car accident. His wife died because he had, uh, you know, a near death experience. He can now communicate with the dead. And because he, you know, is so depressed and he never finished the house that he was trying to build for his wife, he uh, just started doing this to make money, just going around scamming people. And, that's when things start to change, though, right off the bat in this, because he notices something um, on people's head as we start going through this movie of these marks that are leading these mysterious deaths where people's hearts have been crushed in their chest. Um, it's so... But when you see them, they look fine, but it's almost like the life was squeezed out of them, but they're, you know, it's like other than that, no pre-existing conditions. Now, cast-wise... We have said stacked casts in the past. Oh, man, Biz, this Dude, is stacked we, cast. <laughs> Yet another. This, this I feel, is like stacked cast in the who's who of some horror, Like, but but more of the... Anyway, let's just get into the names, because I could, no, no, I could yeah, try yeah, and yeah. talk so, about well, this. I, and I, I, it's th- whatever. When you read, but, when you read <clears> off this cast list, I feel like this is... Jackson clearly had the idea of who of like he had a laundry list of people that he wanted to work with for horror movies, and I think now that Zemeckis was involved and that he got like a proper budget, he's like, all right, can we get this exact person? Can we get this exact person? Because yeah. I well, feel like it, al- like it's yeah. almost a perfectly cast movie in the sense that 
these people that are that like these iconic roles and these iconic actors in uh, horror films in general were just plucked perfectly for doing this one perfect thing. Well, I mean, first off, Michael J. Fox, like Michael J. Fox, incredible, and it's his last film. Yeah, like, weirdly he, enough, this is his last feature, but it's so. Like Frank Bannister, number one, and that's that's an amazing name for a character, and he's so good as this character, and I really, just the subtle nuances that he gives to this role are absolutely amazing. You have uh, Trini Alvarado, who is kind of like a, she did a lot of stuff as a child star growing up, and, and some stuff since then. Uh, Peter Dobson, who plays her husband, he becomes a... Uh, just a ghost at one point because he gets killed, and then uh, real quick to Peter Dobson, him. I absolutely love his. I love a good performance from like a like a stereotypical bully or just yeah. jackass character. I think so that good, that man. actors have a great time with it, and I could tell that this one had a blast in this in this role in particular. And something about this film has like a 1950s feel to it. Uh, it seems like Peter Jackson likes to go back to that news because it was filmed in New Zealand, which automatically has an older feel to it. But this definitely felt, especially when you see him as a ghost and he's wearing that weird striped shirt, I feel like the dude straight up came out of the 50s. Oh, yeah. Know? And he's he's clearly like an Elvis fan because when we get to oh, the yeah. possession scene of the house, like he has like some subtle allusions to like Elvis memorabilia in the house. Like we see like yeah. the little floating Elvis doll and there's like one or two posters or images of Elvis inside the house. Oh, it's I mean, the, the stuff in here, the really subtle stuff that was put in is like... Set dressing is absolutely phenomenal. Getting back to the cast, John Aston. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, when you're talking about, hey, we got Gomez Adams, um, the original Gomez Adams, to be in here as the judge, that's amazing. And Return of the Killer Tomatoes and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, it's just awesome. Like, John Aston is a legend. And Jeffrey Combs, holy shit. This movie takes the craziest turn the second Milton Dammer shows up. Oh my like, god! It's again because like I I saw him oh and I was god. like, oh my god! Like yes, I've seen you before. You're awesome. Please, like do your thing. Chew that. I scenery. still think I still think my favorite line in the movie is my body is a roadmap of pain. I don't know. I I, I think my, one of my favorite <sighs> lines is I have trouble with women yelling. <laughs> like that. Actually, just... you know what? That is one of my favorite. It's you know, but both are Jeffrey Combs lines. And yeah, I know exactly. He just delivers that's what them makes so it so well good. and just like a like a frail like uh, like uh, type of and, you know, way. He, he so freaks funny. out everything because he. The thing about Dammers is that you know he's this agent who was infiltrating all these cults for so long and all these messed up things, and he would get so into it and like get the scars and all the weird stuff. That's when he pulls his shirt and you're like, dude, what did they do to you? What did you do to yourself? Right, and um, it's it's such a like it's such a throw. Like, this movie, like we okay, we have we have established this amazingly stacked cast, but I think oh we the, we're not we, no 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 dude we haven't even oh not not the best parts. So let's let's just finish the cast real quick. Uh, D Wallace amazing as Patricia Ann Bradley, which plays a major role in this. Jake Busey as Johnny Bartlett, and Jake Busey is so. This actually, I think, might be the best role Jake Busey's ever done. I mean, yeah, he's 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 on one note, but goddamn it, he holds that note for like an opera singer. It's dude, it's he's on so... he's like he's on a whole new level. It's like natural born killers, but like let's ramp that up a little bit and just give it a little Busey charm. I you mean, know, yeah, and I think it's that's a, it's, as only a Busey can deliver. 
Oh, dude, and it, his eyes in that, too, they're just so creepily piercing when we go from, like, the black and white hitting the past to the present. Um, but finishing up the cast, we have Chi McBride as Cypress, which is one, or Cyrus, sorry, Cyrus, one of uh, Bannister's assistants, and uh, Jim Fife as Stuart as his other one. I don't really know anything else Jim Fife has been in, uh, but probably a few things here and there. Probably stuff that I'm like, oh, shit, that's who he is. Arlie Ermey plays Sergeant Hiles. Holy shit, man. He is so... It's it's basically, they I mean, were like, hey, you remember that movie that came out back in the day, Full Metal Jacket? We want you to play him. Like, just do that again, and God bless him, he's been doing it ever since. It's, yeah, unfortunately, he did just pass away recently. But, yeah, uh, exactly. Arlie, Arlie was... Arlie, man, he made he made Texas Chainsaw the beginning God. tolerable. You know what Heck I mean? Yeah. Uh, but let's go... So, basically... I like to consider this movie the tipping point of Jackson. Some people will be like, what do you mean? This, to me, is the tipping point of CG and practical effects. This is the point where I I feel like he blended it together pretty well. Now, I remember a few years ago watching this and being like, wow, these effects are still amazing. Watching it the other day... Okay, some of these effects are, 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 are very dated. Granted, 1996 uh johnny bartlett ghost in the wall type thing looks more realistic than 2010's freddy krueger trying to come out I, of the wall. you know what you're you're absolutely right so i there are a couple of, of effects cgi effects that kind of stand out in my mind it's like okay those are showing their age a bit but like props to that for 1996 um mainly when uh, the grim reaper like comes out of the mirror in the bathroom and, like, it's just sort of this, like, liquid sort of thing. There was a very, like, interesting effect that they kind of, like, wanted to keep going with. Uh, it's interesting because <laughs> we have established in this movie that there are a lot of ghosts in uh, in this world and, like, a lot of spirits, like, interacting with the world. But there's no real, like, hard set rules as to what can hurt them and what can not hurt them because, uh, again, a lot of the uh, kind of ones that show their age is whenever – a ghost is kind of like morphed or harmed in a weird way. Like there's one where Judge like kind of shoots that one ghost in the cheek, and like his face like kind of ex- just explodes with like this like CGI blood and like weird like cheek effect. Of, I-, I can only describe it as. Oh, ec- it, I mean like, it's ectoplasm at that point. Yeah, you know what ectoplasm. I mean? like, but, and, it, and, it, and it looks weird. It looks really yeah. really weird. But like they clearly wanted to go for this wacky cartoon esque effect. Uh, which more or less works. I, I uh, think that's why this movie works is because this movie doesn't take itself too seriously. I mean, it was meant it was so it was meant to be a PG thirteen movie. That was the way it was intended to be. You know, the, after going back to the censors over and over and over, and it keep it was R repeatedly R R R. I think they were complaining about there's too many bullet holes in the door here, so we can't. It, it's going to be R. Too many bullet it's holes like, in the door. That's a bit I'm, odd. I'm, yeah. It's pretty stupid stuff. So then at the end of it, uh, when they're like, it's going to be R, Jackson said, fine, okay. And then when Dammers gets shot in the head with the shotgun and his head explodes and you see the ghost head, that's why they added that gore scene in and a couple of other little splatters here and there because it's like, all right, man, you're going to make us R? Well, we might as well try to make it R then. I, exactly. And I feel like that's – you never – this never struck me as a movie that didn't want to be R, but it's still – again, like, we, we keep talking about, like, these comedic R-rated movies now where they kind of got to be, like, edgy and, like, wacky and, like, just just Deadpool, fuck you, man, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's more – like, there is there is such inherent charm 
in The Frighteners where it just gets a little too over the top because, like, when you see a ghost's head shredded by a, like, a radiator in a car and then he comes out the exhaust pipe, uh, like, fully like fully materialized it's that's just the sort of cartoonish charm that comes with it while still being over the top violent which works to great effect but again i think the um i think i think one of the strongest points of this movie you said that it doesn't take itself too seriously i would lightly disagree in that it takes itself seriously exactly when it means to there no, are... I mean, it, it, it takes it seriously when it needs to, but yeah. there are times that it, it definitely embraces having fun. Yes. I feel like I'm on a wild ride more than watching a, a scary film. I feel like it's almost like Mr. Toad's wild ride at points it's, when he's driving it, it strikes, the car around and, and yeah, it trying strikes to me save as like that a fun, one woman. It strikes me as like yeah. a fun <clears throat> Scooby-Doo mystery or... Yes. A like again, like just like a proper like fun Saturday morning type of adventure film because we have this sort of trajectory of this mystery going around town, and Michael J. Fox is just like clearly like okay, like I guess we're doing this now, and like the perfect sort of happenstance comes in when he's just kind of going about his life, scheming this, mm-hmm. and then like all of a sudden this like actual actual mystery pops up that only he can solve and it's like it's brilliant it's perfectly told yeah um, um well and, and I'm looking at some of this stuff too and uh apparently Weta Digital which is uh Peter Jackson's visual effects company they're the ones who did all these effects so this is the genesis of that uh yes. of, the, of that of that uh, special effects house because it went from having one computer to 35 in order to <laughs> meet the demands of the visual effects for this film, especially in 96. Um, because, and then they used them afterwards for Lord of the Rings. So it all makes sense on on that being a great investment in the long run. I mean, I would say so, for sure. Uh, it's grown by leaps and bounds now. It's insane to think about that this is the infancy of that. Like, this is what started... Well, in a you know, weird way, like you, you mentioned, the tipping point further. of Jackson. I like, I, and I agree with that. But like, also, like, let's let's th- let's look at the movies that he's done after this. Uh, wildly different from the Frighteners. Not really as much in the same vein as the not Frighteners. Not even close. Yeah, not even close. Like he gets, he starts to get to be big Hollywood after this movie. I don't know. I mean, I, I like the Lord of the Rings trilogy just fine. I saw it when it came out. I have not had the urge to watch it since. Let's see, I saw King Kong, and I didn't like it. I just thought, especially the t- stampede scene is just ridiculous. I It just looks bad. They're running on a set, like you can tell. Um, and then after that, I didn't even bother with uh, the Hobbit films, just because none of them looked good to me. It was just too over the, just too out there. Oh, and Lovely Bones, I, I never... So right, but again, just, we, we like we we keep no taking interest, for granted. You know? There's a huge jump. Like he d- like he did Frighteners, and then he immediately his next his next project, like in 2001, was Fellowship of the Ring. That's an insane leap from Frighteners, like this charming, quirky, like almost Tim Burton esque type of, and not to sound reductive, but like Tim Burton esque uh, type of adventure to, like, one of the most iconic movie trilogies of all time now. And, uh, like, it's it still feels like Humble Beginnings. It still feels like uh, he was this guy who just got plucked out of New Zealand making these weird, weird, fun, fun movies. And I kind of wish that he had 
gotten more opportunities to do that before Lord of the Rings because, like, it's, again, 1996 to 2001. That's quite a long time to not be making movies. Well, pre-production, no, it wasn't, no, 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 it wasn't that time not making movies. Pre-production for Lord of the Rings began in 1999. Very true, very true. So he's, Uh, and I think even before then he was, you know, there was the negotiations of getting into it from there. But, you know, we're... I think we're kind of forgetting the film that really changed Yeah, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves him. in the legacy of Peter Jackson here. Well, the film that changed him was Heavenly Creatures. Yes, it was. That was the one that was the one that got him the recognition that he needed in order to start doing Hollywood films. So, you know, when, once it wins all these awards and people are talking about it and that's all they can talk about is how good this movie is and it is fantastic, by the way. Um The Frighteners seemed like it was going to be a home run, but you know, as usual, studio interference, they're like, it's the summer movie of the year. And it's like, nah, man, this is a Halloween movie all the way. And Jackson and Zemeckis pushed for that. And they were like, nah, we're releasing it in the summer. And then no one saw it. And I will say, like, we mentioned the bad investment financially that comedy horror can be. Like, I, I, I wouldn't know how to sell a movie like this. It's it, like, of course, it's a Halloween, like, uh, fun factor. But it's a weird movie. All of this, it, it juggles a lot of stuff because you have the you have the traumatic death of his wife. You have uh, the like guilt that he's trying to wrestle with while still being quite comedic and not taking that too seriously. Uh, these wild, over the top characters while still having like feeling grounded somewhat. Like there's no real every everybody is just as wacky and just as serious as they exactly need to, and. That's the type of thing that Peter Jackson in his early days, uh, at least with bad taste and all that, really seemed to, I I, I would say, struggle with a little bit. Like sometimes it's too over the top. Sometimes it's uh, too out there or not serious enough. And this, I I mean, this is, is, yeah, it's honing your craft. I mean, that's that's all it is. And and this Um, is that great balance. Yeah. And I think this is this is where it works really, really, really well. And. You know, the plot, everything that goes into it and how intricate it is. It's, you know, he's he's going around. You see how how his day-to-day is, is going. Like, if he gets himself into a situation, like when he runs over that guy's fence, um, Ray Linsky's fence, he's, you know, basically like, all right, we're going to go haunt his place so I don't have to pay him. And you know what? I'm going to get him to pay me by saying he can he owes me stuff for this or that. We'll right. call it a and wash, the, and the but brilliant I need materials switch- to pay me 100 you know? The brilliant bait and switch of the audience is that, oh, well, we think that, like, oh, ghosts are just haunting this weird town because there have been weird deaths. I guess this is yeah. where the plot opens up. No, he just has these hired ghosts so that he can, like, square off the debt of cleaning up the fence. And now he's just until, going about his life. That's Until brilliant. a real ghost comes around um, who's going around squeezing out the lives of people and putting these marks on their head where he can see ahead of time because, you know, he can see... Uh, the numbers appear kind of like a fiery brand in their head. Yeah. Um, he's got uh, that third eye vision that they're going to go. And, you know, everybody thinks he's crazy except for except for Lucy, uh, especially when Ray dies, her husband Ray, when he dies. Like, she's the only one who actually believes uh, in his power. And he uses it. And, you know, I mean, he actually is there with, with Ray and they go to dinner and talk for a bit. And you kind of see, you know, you delve more into the character of Frank Bannister. We do get some backstory on what happened. Um, but there's more to it than just this because there's also ever the murders that happened years ago with Patricia Ann Bradley and Johnny Bartlett. And then Patricia's mother, who comes off right away as being like, villain, 
villain, villain. And it's like, that's, that's definitely not the case. Uh, it's, it's great twists and turns that happen throughout because in the beginning, we don't know what's going on. We see her being chased by, by Johnny. Now there's a director's cut to this film. I don't know if you saw it, but in the director's cut, a lot of the weird stuff is explained. Like you see him chasing her through. So you're like, he must be haunting her or chasing her because we find out later that this grim reaper happens to just be Johnny Bartlett. Um, she, and he had this game where he would like hide or cover himself with a blanket and chase her around or something. And that's where this came into the film. So when you see it in the beginning, it actually ties into what they used to do. Um, so it's not her actually being scared and afraid. It's her kind of just playing with this and embracing it being well because seeing that without that scene it still makes sense like oh, i can still, does, I can still yeah. but like again added depth uh that's that's perfectly well explained i i lots I of that. lots of cool stuff with that and that's what i really there's a lot of history in this film especially with the murders that happened um over at the hospital where before they ended up killing Johnny Bartlett and electrocuting him, and they said Patricia Ann Bradley was just this, like, accomplice who she was influenced by him, so she was put into, like, what, jail or a mental hospital and then allowed to, like, live at home under house arrest or something. Uh, but there's still that weird thing where you're like, you seem so innocent. You're D. Wallace. You're the mom for me, T. You know? You can't exactly, be yeah. evil. And holy shit, man, she, like, when you finally find out that she is just as evil, if not worse than Johnny. Oh, I'd say worse. Uh, I would easily say I would say, say there, was that, there was that maliciousness and this, like, just strange psychotic nature. Actually, no, she is worse because she starts to con continue the murders after he's dead. We do find this out later. Uh, and how everyone in this place ties together. And a nice, not a nice, nice little bow, but but close enough. Oh no, it br it brings it all back around for for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it does I, come I full really, circle. Really, really like this. it. Yeah, so it's it's a very tight knit story. It's got a lot of twists and turns. I feel like I know this town. I feel like I know the people. Even characters only have a handful of lines. Those lines just give so much life and depth to these characters. Um, it just shows how good of a script that that Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson put together. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really really well uh, realized, and uh, I couldn't really ask for a more like essential horror comedy. Like I really did not know how much I missed out on like on this genre of or this little subgenre of horror until seeing the Frighteners. Because like you th you think all of these other things. Frighteners never gets enough play. I don't think it ever gets enough play. Um, Not even close, man. Frighteners is is one of the most underrated horror films of all time, hands down. There's yes. there's no question on that because it's not even really considered much of a cult classic. People don't really talk. Some people will talk about it. People who are like huge horror fans, um, the Frighteners comes up, and there's some people who straight up hate the Frighteners. I don't know why, but I think it's well. No, I do know why. There are some very hardcore horror fans who only like the, you know, the heavy bloodletting. So films like The Frighteners might not appeal to them as much. They see it as more of like kiddie horror. But I think it's amazing and it's a thrill ride that I just like enjoying. I like going along for the ride every single time. 
Absolutely. I, I could not recommend this enough. Uh, it's, it, it is like probably like up there in the top movies that we have reviewed this where it's probably like, again, cannot recommend this enough. It's, it, I, I feel so dumb for having not seen this before is, ma- is the main thing. It's just so much fun. Now, if you guys want to do something really, really fun, if you haven't seen this movie yet, or even if you have seen this movie, go on YouTube and look up the clip of Michael J. Fox uh, yelling out to Judge. Uh, There's this one scene where he yells out to him at this, like, kind of, I guess, a little pivotal moment for Judge. Uh, And he's supposed to yell out, Judge! But he keeps yelling out, Doc! From Back that, to the Future, and they, he does it like four or five times in this I mean, clip, and he's like, I, "I'm, if you I'm, want I'm the sorry, perfect guys. blooper, if you want the perfect outtake, that's the what it is." It's so good. It's it's so good. Um, it's almost as good as the movie. I mean, hey, it's, it, it's already a great. It's movie. such an amazing moment. Yeah, it's such an amazing moment. Ugh. Well, I think that's gonna have to do it for us. I, it's it's solid gold, and uh, nothing else really needs to be said. Uh, it's no, just if you haven't seen it, see it. If you've seen it, watch it again because it's awesome. Granted, like I will say, you know, not all the CG holds up, but who cares? Just have fun with it. I, honestly, like the practical effects that bring it back alone are probably would easily make up for any gripes that you would have because the practical effects are great. The makeup effects are awesome. Yes, no, 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 they are. I was saying any gripes, and it's like let's just say that end moment of let's transport up and pull them back down type situation that that looked weird yeah i mean but again like (laughs) it will i mean it was almost like basically it looks like it's like a better version of the spawn introduction oh very very true like the opening credit sequence of the of the live action spawn it's it's a better version of that interesting but by that's a very good take (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's nitpicking an amazing film. Uh, really, that's actually my biggest gripe of the entire movie. I really love every part of it other than that. It's, uh, I, I, like, I, again, could not agree more. Um, and I think that is going to do it for us here at Oh, the Horror. Uh, what have we got in the pipeline next week, Rob? Oh, we are going back to the Steven Spielberg, Toby Hooper classic, Poltergeist. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah. Never saw this one. Uh, again, you, whoa. I, do, I do not know. I do not know what to expect. Uh, maybe Spielberg whimsy with some ghosts. That's all I'm really expecting. Well, he produced it. Toby Hooper directed it. There's controversy over that. People, th- Anyway, that's beside the point. We're going to talk about that next week. So if you haven't seen Poltergeist, watch it now. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We have been Oh, the Horror Cast. Uh, you can find us on those handles on our socials on Twitter and Facebook, oh, the Horrorcast and oh, the Horrorcast at gmail.com. Send us your suggestions and well wishes. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want, you could review us on iTunes or whatever music player or podcast player you uh, so choose. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much for doing that. And until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.